welcome to the Pope on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is... I am the Pope in question. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing worth a Google. This is episode 416 of the podcast, and... The internet at my house is down, and they can't have anyone come in to see what's wrong until Monday. And so I'm doing this over the phone for the first time ever, and it, it might be worse quality, or hell, for all I know, it might be better quality than the horrible internet that I had at home. So we're, we're just going to see. It's, it, it's a work in progress. So far, you're uh, looking pretty good. Okay, good. Good, good, good. We have a full show to get to. We are going to be talking about cars and horror movies and baseball and finally uh, video games. But before we get to any of that, we are in Act 1, so let's get to this. I'm not going to hit that hard because my phone is perilously uh, oh. dang. Year, so see damn it i knew that was gonna happen okay that's good buddy yes uh so i'm starting a brand new business and i'm really excited about it and i wanted to start off the show talking about it my new business will really be helping people out you know really making a difference yeah. in the world Bunny, here's a question for you. Do you know how many people die every year because of medicine cabinets? Because of medicine cabinet what? Because of medicine cabinets. Oh, just because of medicine cabinets? Yes, I because don't of know. medicine how cabinets. How many people do die every year because of medicine cabinets? Okay, okay, fine. Look, I'll walk you through it, okay? <coughs> I'll walk you through it. Here's the situation. You and your family have just purchased a house, and wow, was it ever cheap. And in this housing market, this house is a steal. Sure, there's a few problems, like ghosts in the attic, blood dripping from the ceiling, and a pool full of zombies. But have you seen the crazy prices people are asking for houses nowadays post-pandemic? I mean, hell, I'll take a few rates if the house is that cheap, you know what I'm saying? Well, it's the end of a very long day for you fighting off skeletons and banshees, and all you want to do is brush your teeth, wash your face, and go to bed. So you go to the bathroom, you wash your face. Wait, is there something behind me? No, I guess I was just... I'm, I must be seeing things. I've had a long day. So you open up the medicine cabinet to get your toothbrush, and then... What is waiting for you in the mirror when you close the medicine cabinet? You don't even have time to see because boom, you are dead, my friend. You are dead. Medicine cabinets result in 82% of all haunted house deaths every year. So my new business will come to your haunted residence and will wall up your medicine cabinet. Yes. This is my new business. And I really think that, that, that my new business will be helping people out, you know? Helping people that need helping. That's what I'm all about, you know? Yes. 
what I'm all about. Now, full disclosure. That, that should be that should be your like logo, your tagline. Helping people who need helping. Helping people who need helping. Now, full disclosure, I do legally have to say this. We're not qualified to deal in any way with the following issues. Ghosts, demons, zombies, monsters, beasts, beasts, wraiths, curses, vampires, chupacabras, angels, demons, angel-demon hybrids, gargoyles, hellhounds, jinns, imps, dragons, interdimensional beings, leprechauns, presidents, ex-presidents, nuns, mummies, necromancers, nymphs, poltergeist, Cronenbergs, slender man or slender men, tulpas, unicorns, werewolves, well, or any other... slender persons... Slender people, yeah. Yes. Women can be slender men, too. We are really, you know, we're, we're all inclusive here. So we cannot deal with any of those supernatural issues. But what we can do is come to your house and seal up the goddamn medicine cabinet. Yes. That's what we're all about. Helping people who need helping in haunted house environments. So I really think that this new business of mine is, is really going to be going places, you know? I have faith uh, in it. I have a lot of faith and confidence in this, and I wish you much, much success. You Thank are, you. You are helping people. I'm trying to, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to. And cut on that. Uh, yes, Mel? Um, what? Because you're here and you're, you're coming in hot. I just wanted to say, I just wanted to say something, you know, just something to let you guys stew on. Um, there's this challenge, apparently, where students are stealing soap dispensers, right? And so we've got that going on in school. People are stealing soap dispensers and soap. But last Friday, all anyone could talk about was how someone stole a whole toilet. Someone stole a toilet? Someone stole a toilet. Hmm. A whole ass toilet. Okay, then. Thank yeah. you for letting us know that. That was Mal's Toilet Corner, a new okay. segment where Mal comes and talks to us about stolen toilets. I want you to keep us updated on this, okay? Yeah. I want you to keep us updated on the toilet situation because I think that this is important. This is something that we all need to focus on. And it not only talk, it not only is this a story about your high school, but it's also sort of a microcosm for our entire nation right now. I would say that politically, our nation's toilet has been stolen. <laughs> yes. You know? Truly, So I think that that's something that Biden really has to deal with. I think that probably the nation's toilet being stolen, I think... You know, I don't think it takes precedence over the pandemic, but it's definitely like a number two. Okay. Yes. yes. Which is funny because it's a toilet. And See? the American people have nothing to go on. Yeah. You are spilling so much. You, <laughs> you are spilling so much stuff. Okay. Okay. So this, this has been Mouse Toilet Corner. Very excited about that. And cut on whatever that new segment was. There you go. Bunny! Yes!
Last week, a man in Canada died in a freak McDonald's drive-thru accident. Okay. I missed this one. Okay, so here's how it went. Okay. Earlier in September of this year, 2021, a man was in the drive-thru at a McDonald's in Vancouver. It was 5.30 a.m., and the guy was paying with his bank card, his debit card, and he went to go give it to through the car window to the cashier. But he dropped the card out of the window of his car. So the man got out of his car to pick up his bank card, but he didn't do uh, two things. Number one, he didn't close the door to his car, and B, he didn't park his car. So as he went around the door to pick up his car, the moving car pinned the driver between a pylon and the car door. He was unable to get free and he was crushed to death by his own car and died. He, he, he crushed himself with his own vehicle. And I wanted to bring it up because he, the story... He pulled a Yelchin. Exactly. See, I wanted to bring it up because his, his, this man's, this Canadian man's death reminded me of the tragic death of, of actor Anton Yelchin, who was 27 when he died. He played Chekhov in the new Star Trek movies, and he was also run over by his own car. Well, uh, so I binged how many people are run over by their own car every year. And Answers.com had an answer for me. I'm not sure how much I can believe an answer that I got from Answers.com. But, yes. uh, Bunny, why don't you guess? How many people, according to Answers.com, how many people are uh, run over by their own cars every year? Normally, I would think it would have to be a fairly low number, but in the past decade living in America, learning exactly how stupid people are, yes. I am betting, I'm betting the number of people who run over themselves with their own car is much higher than I would think. Yeah. So I'm giving that as my answer. The number is much higher than I would think. Well, according to Answers.com, and I'm not sure how much I can trust Answers.com, but according to Answers.com, not a sponsor, roughly 6,000 people are run over by their own cars every year. That is much higher than I would think. 6,000. 6,000. This is what I think is happening, and we all need to be prepared. We're, we're prepared for, like, a civil war because all of our nation's angry whites are getting pissed off. And we're preparing for zombie apocalypses. There's a whole... Uh, uh, 
there are businesses out there that are making all of their money just on getting people prepared for a zombie apocalypse. There are people prepared for nuclear war. But I think what we need to really start preparing for now is a Carmageddon. Yeah. Because the cars are, are upset at us. The cars are pissed, and the cars are, are starting to fight back. And I yes. think that, that we all need to start taking this Carmageddon seriously. Yes. I'm set. You, there, there is one final sign before the Carmageddon, and, and that's really what you want to look out for. Okay. What's okay. the sign? When the stork drops an eight ball on Stephen King's stoop. Ah, okay. Yes. Carmageddon is nigh. Yeah. So just be prepared next time you go into your car. Uh, I would keep an eye on your car while you're driving it because yeah. things are starting to... Uh, cars, cars are sus right now. Cars are real sus. And I would just be preparing. You know what? You should probably keep a clothes hanger in your car. Yeah. Just in case you need to fight it off. Because everyone knows in any kind in any kind of demic, you really need a clothes hanger nearby. That's yes, one thing I learned from this summer. And so just it, hey, a public service announcement from the Pope on Film Podcast. The more you know. Do 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 that's the star going behind me. Yes. And cut on that. Bloody! Yes. So I have the AMC A-List membership. It's a subscription service where for $19.95 a week, I get up to three movie tickets a week for free. Uh, free being, uh, depending on how you look at it. Anyway, from December 2018... To March 2020, I saw 177 movies in a 66-week period, and the pandemic uh, done messed that all up for me. But now I'm back in movie theaters, and so it's time for some up-to-date movie reviews with Steve Stubbs of the Week! This installment of Steve Stubbs represents my 12th week back in movie theaters, and in that time I have seen 22 movies. I was going to see two movies this week, uh, as has been my plan, but my entire week has gone to shit, and so I only ended up seeing two movies in theaters. I was going to see the James Wan horror movie Malignant and the Gerard Butler crime comedy cop shop, but I only ended up seeing Malignant. But uh, first, I would like to discuss the movie not chosen as my movie pick of the week, because I didn't even go see it. But uh, I was going to see the movie Cop Shop. I saw a preview for it uh, last week, and it was the first time I had ever heard of this movie. And it's like... It, it, what it seems like to me is that remember when we were balls deep in the pandemic and they were trying to release movies in theaters but it just wasn't working out like oh hey yeah. here's 
the war with grandpa you know and then and then christopher nolan came around and he's like don't worry my movie tenet is going to destroy the coronavirus yes and stop all deaths and get america back open and everything will be fine because my movie Tenet is here, and and so there was that period in time during 2020 where the movies that they were releasing were all just kind of shit, you know, because because yeah. most movie theaters were closed, and so it, it it seemed to be a time for studios to sort of like, oh well, we were gonna release this James Bond film, we can't release it now, but hey, you know what we can't release? All of the movies that we didn't want to release because we knew they were going to bomb. And so, I don't. I, suddenly, Gerard Butler has a crime comedy where he's a hitman, and the person he's trying to to put a hit on is in jail. So Gerard Butler, the hitman, uh, does some crime so he can go to jail. So he's in the jail right next to the guy he's going to kill, and. It's wacky. It seems like the type of film that they would release in 1997 and 98 and 99 back when Quentin Tarantino made Pulp Fiction and it was such a, a, a big movie that everyone was trying to release crime, comedy, drama shit, you know? Yeah. Destiny turns on the radio, things to do in Denver when you're dead, Suicide Kings... Um, I could keep going, but yes, it, that's that's what Cop Shop seems to be. It just snuck into theaters, and I I was going to go see it because, like, I don't know. It, it it seems like it might be shit, but it might be fun. Then uh, a family member got a a, a uh, auntie got COVID. Yes, and. Uh, my wife and one of my children had gone to their house the day before they got tested and found out they had COVID. So we have been uh, quarantining and staying in the house and the internet's off and everything sucks. And have we have uh, two dogs in the house right now and four cats. I'm allergic to all of it. And, and, and it, we've got four different litter boxes, but these cats just, did, it, it, they, they take everything personally. And it's like, hey, I want to go into mom's room. I want to go into mom's room. I want to go into mom's room. Meow. Fine, I'm going to just shit in the hallway. And so it like... It, yeah, my week has been shit, so I didn't go yeah. see Cop Shop. So that means that the Steve Stubbs pick of the week is the James Wan horror movie Malignant. Yes. Okay, first off, the... Uh, okay, I lost interest as soon as I found out Angelina Jolie wasn't in it. Okay. Um, it's shit, but, <laughs> it's such shit that 
I kind of love it. Okay. There is a twist about 70% of the way into the movie when you finally realize who the killer is that's responsible for everything. Yeah. It's such a twist. It The twist is so jaw-droppingly fucking stupid. Okay. That I remember screaming a little bit in the theater. Not screaming because I'm scared, but screaming like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, it's such a dumb, stupid, ridiculous, nonsensical twist that it's like, you're almost impressed. You know, like, 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 the balls on James Wan to, to, to think, this is my movie. Yeah. It, it's one of those, it, it kind of reminded me of Serenity. Remember the twist of Serenity? Yes. With Matthew McConaughey on the boat. The dad's In the mysterious island. Yeah, in the mysterious island full of NPCs. Yes. Like, that is such a ridiculous twist. And Malignant is right up there. And it... The movie was so ridiculously dumb that the first thing I thought of is, okay, when are we doing this for the podcast? That was the first thought. And then the second thought was, once I got home, I immediately downloaded the film and put it on our hard drive, which is connected to our TV, so that everyone else in the house can get a chance to see it. It's, It's a dumb, stupid movie, but it's so dumb and stupid that I just want everyone to see it so we can talk about it together. And that doesn't happen a lot. It, you know, this film is right up there with boot the mapping sequence, Ed, (laughs) you know, it's, it's so, it's so dumb. Malignant is so dumb. And plus it's like, Oh, there's a woman. She has a mysterious past. She's haunted by these visions. She's watching murders happen as they happen. She's watching murders that are occurring as they're happening. She's seeing them as visions. Oh, gee, uh, I wonder who's responsible for this. Okay, that's the plot. Okay, that's the plot of the movie. But also, it's two hours long for an hour and a half of plot. You know? Okay. This movie really is, like, like it's a horror movie, but they don't have a lot it, as far as horror. So a lot of the scenes of, of like, uh, a murder's going to happen. Okay, but we're going to need to see this murderer getting to the house and getting undressed and turning on all the lights and going through the house. And what? I hear a noise. I better check every room slowly. A lot of the the scenes are just padded out, you know? Yeah. The first vision doesn't happen until like 45 minutes into the film, and it's like, God damn, we, like, 
we've we've all seen the previews. We know the plot. That's why we went to go see the movie. Why are you waiting so long for the plot to happen? Plus, the stars of it all look like they are clones of other people. Oh, nice. The the cop who's trying to get to the bottom of this, he looks a lot like a Tom Cavanaugh, like the bad guy from, like, the Flash TV show. He was also in something else. I, I think the TV show Ed... Uh, and then his partner is definitely a character written for Wanda Sykes, but they couldn't get her, so they gave it to another black woman and say, hey, be sassy and black and look just like Wanda Sykes. And then the woman who's having visions has a sister, and I swear to God, she is like a Florence Pugh's evil twin. Yeah. So, the entire movie feels like you bought a horror film from Wish.com. Yes, yes, exactly. So, it's it's not a good movie. It's bad, but it's so bad that, like, it's one of those films where if I'm watching it late at night with Natasha and we are a little bit high and we've got, like, a 12-pack, this will be the greatest movie of all time. Yes. You know, it all depends on how you see it. If I was seeing this with a group of friends, oh, yeah, this would be a great film to just pick apart and laugh at. And then that twist, and then that twist is just jaw-droppingly fucking stupid. (laughs) It's so incredibly stupid that you're almost like, hey, uh... This was dumb, but Jesus, the balls on James Wan. James Wan has such big balls for making the movie Malignant that I'm starting to think that James Wan is Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend. That's how big of balls James Wan has for making such a ridiculous movie as Malignant. Anyway. I I, I don't know why we're still talking about her. And I'm and that makes me sad as a country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend is the number one news story in America. Okay. And and then in like, where's the cousin from? Like Trinidad or some? Yeah. Some shit. It's like, is your cousin also a Nigerian prince that wants you to wire him money? And we had to have the fucking Prime Minister of Trinidad get on television saying, no, this is not true. Yeah. Your balls will be fine. (laughs) We we live in a strange nation, you know? Yes. We live in a strange-ass nation. Anyway... That's it for Steve's Stubbs this week. Next week, I'm going to try and go back and watch two actual movies in theaters. I might go see Shang-Chi again, because that was a lot of fun. Anyway, join us next week for more up-to-date movie reviews with Steve's Stubbs of the Week. And cut on that. Bonnie! Yes! We still have a whole show to get to. We need to talk about baseball. We need to talk about birthdays. 
We need to talk about Lily from AT&T and Bart Harley Jarvis. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Okay, I, I concur with that decision. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. Do 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 is the outro music. Do 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 and break. John Johnson, but everyone here calls me Vicky. Andre the Giant, we hardly knew ye. What's up, y'all? Bill McNeil saying there's a party all up in here and you need to get with the flow. Oh, yeah, Rocket Fuel Malt Liquor's got the heavyweight power, but you got the E.O.T.S. to rip it up to some fat booty beats. Or just chill with the honeys. So get on the rocket and see the stars. Rocket Fuel Malt Liquor. Damn! <laughs> The Erotic Adventures of Hercules. Close it up, close it up, close it up. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. Now this is something the other tour guides won't tell you. Seasons came and changed the time. The murder of Phil Hartman. Dig your own grave and save. Have you ever heard the expression, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade, and then toss it in the face of the person who gave you the lemons until they give you the oranges you asked for in the first place? In this particular cell block, Machine Gun Kelly had what we call in the prison system a bitch. And one night, in a jealous rage, Kelly took a makeshift knife for Shiv and cut out the bitch's eyes. Did somebody say sassy? This way to the cafeteria. Champ Howard, today we mourn a stooge. Bryn pointed the gun at Phil and fired three shots. Fire! Fire! 
I, I should want to cook him a simple meal, but I shouldn't want to cut into him, to tear the flesh, to wear the flesh, to be born unto new worlds where his flesh becomes my key. And as if this wasn't enough retribution for Kelly, the next day he and four other inmates took turns pissing into the bitch's ocular cavities. That's right! I never thought of that one! Oh, women! No, women! 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 Dame! Say women! 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 Moments later, Bryn picked up a second gun and lay down next to the body of her husband. She held the weapon to her own head and pulled the trigger. Thank you. 
Are you an evil supervillain in need of a nameless army? Then come on down to Nameless Henchman Warehouse. We are North America's leading supplier of nameless characterless thugs who all somehow know Kung Fu. Plus, since they're characterless, it doesn't matter when they die in battle, and that is the Nameless Henchman Warehouse guarantee. Do you need an army to storm a mystical castle? Do you need a henchman to steal pages from an ancient tome? Or do you just want to defeat those pesky ninja turtles once and for all? Then come on down to the Nameless Henchman Warehouse off of Route 9 in Maine next to the Chicory Dog. New Henchman Warehouse. We send bad guys to death. A picture you won't ever forget, because it touches the full spectrum of the bizarre, the forbidden, the twilight areas of a life destined to be spent in shadow and agony. The screen may never again relate to this subject matter. It will certainly never again approach this treatment. Oh, you know all about them, huh? You don't even know their names. Now get them out of here. Look, Paul, why don't you just go on to bed or something? I promise to have him out of here first thing in the morning. But I'm not taking him back on that road this time of night. Billy, I don't want to be unreasonable. But you know what happens to you when you get around women. And it must never happen again. <gasps> it ain't gonna happen, Paul. <coughs> I'm gonna go fix him something to eat, and then I'll show him to the rooms. A child's world robbed of joy by a secret conspiracy of suspicion and fear, dwelling like a lodger in the mind, insinuating its presence into every heartbeat, holding a black light to the dreams of childhood, forcing the will into blind canyons of loneliness and despair, a stolen life, pawned to a godless oblivion. left to mourn, the last witnesses to the execution, suspended in time by a puppeteer with blood on his hands, little broken dolls that go on dancing after the music has stopped. Three. Mm. Judge me by my size, do you? Mm. My penis you have not seen. Huge it is. Mm, yes. Suck it, you will. Mm.
And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Bunny. Did you did you get that? Did you get my bunny? I got your bunny. Okay. Are you ready for another exciting installment of Bunny Versus starring the incomparable Bunny Williams? Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you jazzed? Are you psyched? Are you primed? Are you ready and raring to go, Bunny? Let's do this shit. All right. Well, without any further ado, it's time once again for Bunny Versus. And now here is your host, Bunny Williams. Take it away, Bunny. I was only a little late this time, and come on, man. How do you expect me to just walk away from Oogie Loves on a Meat Hook? I get that. You know... I 100% get that. You know, and... And, and, and something... Something... You made a joke about Wish.com, and yeah, it was a funny joke. Oh, ha, ha. You know... But I don't think you truly recognize the technology that Wish.com represents. After all of these years, you can finally run a website right out of the trunk of your car. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's a good idea. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I thought of it during the last segment. By the time, by the time it fully formed... We were like three subjects away from it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for thank you for bringing that back. That's really good. Thank you. I'm eating so, fried chicken during the show like a true professional. So I, I, I'm I'm clearing the table, okay? To ask this one question: How was your week? <laughs> Oh, yeah, my week has been great. My week has been wonderful. Super good. So much fun. Um, I, 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 I have bipolar disorder, and my emotions have been pinballing a lot lately. Uh... I think as I get older, my uh, bipolar is getting onto center stage more. I feel like before this, it was just something on the sidelines, and now my bipolar is, like, starring in the show. And I found that one of the things that helps calm down my bipolar disorder... I don't mean to laugh at that, but that was a funny way of putting it. Oh, thank you. Uh, I think that one of the ways that my bipolar calms itself down is just by by having a schedule, you know? And so I, I like it when the kids are in school because I have to adhere by a specific schedule. I'm, I, I, I set my alarm for 6.15 so I can be out of bed in order to wake Eleanor up at exactly 6.30 because that's how much, time's, how much time it takes for Eleanor to finally wake up, take her super long poop in the morning, take their super long uh, uh, bathroom trip, and then eat food, 
brush their teeth, get their hair combed, get ready for school, and then by that time, we're ready to leave so I can take them to school. But first, I go into Mal's room and I wake up Mal, the preliminary wake up. There might be two or three more wake up attempts later, but that's the preliminary one. Mal has gotten a lot better at waking up for school in the sense that they are no longer cussing me out and wishing me death. Okay. Every time I wake them up. And the funny part is, I am not joking. So I get home from dropping Eleanor off at school. I'm waking Mal up, making sure they either get to the bus or if they can't walk to the bus stop, I can drive them to the bus stop. And if they miss the bus, I can take them to school. And I'm trying not to get angry or upset about that. If I have to drive them to school, I have to drive them to school. It's not a big deal in the long run. And then uh, I come home, maybe have a little bit of breakfast, set up Maxwell's virtual school, do virtual school with him for about two hours, two and a half hours, and then it's lunchtime and I give him a break and then we're back to school. And then by the time we're done with the second half of school, it's time to pick up Eleanor. And so I, it's a very rugged, it, it, it's, it's very structured my day when the kids are in school and it helps me uh, keep my bipolar in check because I don't have time to be emotional because I have things that I need to do and a big long to-do list and all of these things. Uh, so then Wednesday, it was two of my kids' birthdays. I have five kids, and they have three birthdays. Okay. I still find this fascinating. Okay, but can we go back to Tuesday? Hmm? Can we go back to Tuesday when our fucking water heater exploded? Oh, yeah, our water heater. I totally forgot about the water heater. Our water yeah. heater exploded, no, and it I started flooding. Yeah, it started flooding parts of the house. It, it, it just, all of a sudden, it sounded like there was a, a toilet that was flushing in the house, and it wouldn't stop flushing. So I go into the bathroom, and everything's fine. That's when I hear the noise behind me, and it's the water heater in the hallway that has, had apparently sprung a leak, and it started leaking throughout the house. There was water coming out of the laundry room and the closets, uh, in the hallway and going through uh, Amber and Mal's closet in their room and we were getting all these towels and we had to call someone to come in and fix it so we got a new water heater that was a bitch and then the next day it was Mal and Maxwell's birthday Maxwell turned 10 Mal turned uh, 16 yeah so, and then Mal had a doctor's appointment, so Mal didn't go to school. And then Natasha had the day off, and that threw off my whole day because I, I need the structure. And then that threw me off, and then it, it threw off the rest of the week. One week I forgot to wake up Mal for school. Uh, yeah. On Friday, that had never happened before. But probably has something to do with Thursday and losing internet. And then and on, we lost it on Thursday. We lost it on we, and then on Thursday we lost the internet. And so we've been living we on were, like uh, hotspots and stuff like that. Informed that Eleanor and I had a direct exposure. 
Yep, and then Eleanor and Natasha had a direct exposure to COVID by a relative who will remain nameless. To be, I'm not mentioning any names, but I will say that I found it to be almost funny that this person said, well, I can't get the vaccine because I've, I, you know, I've been doing research. Suddenly everyone is a research scientist and a lot of people are getting sick when they get the vaccine and I can't miss a day of work. I can't miss a day. I am the manager. I can't miss a single day of work. And congratulations, you will now not be working until October. Yeah. Hooray! Jeannie and I both had like zero side effects from the vaccine, right? Right. I just felt crummy for like two days. No, but not no, sick. I just yeah. felt like... Yeah, and because of the direct exposure, Eleanor won't be going back to school until the 30th. It throws off my whole everything. And because yeah. we have no internet, I can't go back so, to work until it's fixed. Yeah. And I can't so go into work at the office because of my direct exposure. So Steve's all fucked up. Yeah, and because <laughs> Natasha is trying to, to spend most of her time away from the rest of the family, I've just, I've just been, I've just been doing everything, I'm and it's consistent. been very, huh? I'm consistent. You are very consistent. Thank you. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of stuff. So, I, I, if Eleanor, I, I, wait, if Eleanor was exposed, did, did, didn't you get her tested? Uh, honey, do you want to talk about Eleanor getting tested? Yeah, no, that's not happening. That's not happening. Sorry, that's too traumatic. It was too traumatic when we did it last year when the whole family had COVID. And then when the doctor insisted that they get tested with Maxwell when Maxwell had strep, even though I knew it was strep and not COVID, uh, it was worse because they've had a year of growth. So they were fighting and they're stronger. They were like, literally kicking and screaming and fighting and biting. and Not biting. It, there was no biting. It, it, but yeah, punching and kicking and screaming, I had to hold them down. Like, I mean, it was way too traumatic. I will never do that again. Like the last time that Eleanor got tested, I swear to God, they were going to get out the straps. I wow. was the Like, it was bad. And the screaming was just, oh, my God. It, 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 it was heartbreaking. But yeah, so we're in a difficult position where it's like, Eleanor has had direct exposure to someone with COVID and Eleanor needs to get tested and also we can't fucking do that. Yeah. You know, like everyone else in the house can get tested. Eleanor, we we can't we can't make Eleanor do that again. Yep. At all. Period. Yeah. So yeah, so that's so that has been my that has been my week. It's been hell. I haven't been getting a lot of sleep. I've been waking up a lot at night. I've been getting like about four to six hours a night. It. It's it, yeah. It's been it's been a rough week for me. But. Uh, yeah. So that's been my week. It's been super fun. How are you, Bunny? Uh, we had ice cream last night. 
<laughs> you know, uh, that, that was nice. Uh, I kind of, kind of, they kind of felt a little bit like a dig. I know you don't met, you didn't mean for it to be a dig, but I it didn't sounded mean for it to it be like a, dig. a dig. I meant it to, to be a contrast, like like. Damn, life's been really been been going pretty good. <clears throat> Comparatively, yeah. you have had a rough week, sir. And yeah, you know, and, and I like to keep tabs on you. Just remind you, I'm out here. You know. Yeah. But other than that, uh, the first part of Dabney is finished for the first episode. Nice. I have to finish up the Interocitor. And the ah, other bit should be a lot quicker. Yeah. So. That's about it there. The rave bit is pretty fucking hysterical, I think. I like it. Yeah? You know. The animation is kind of on the crappy side, but I think but it's a fun little point. bit. And it's not like I haven't put out something that was on the crappy side before. <laughs> but that's the point. It doesn't need to be that great. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. People will be watching a new skill emerge and develop. So, yeah. And that's awesome. There you go. So, really, that's about it. You've had a rough ride. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's been rough. I've been trying to focus on little things to uh, get my mind off of other things. Um, I cleaned up the front yard. I did a ton of yard work uh, in the backyard yesterday. Cleaned off the porch. And then, uh, and then, like, I'm done doing, like, three hours of work outside in the heat. And I'm like, oh, man, I mowed and I cleaned up the yard and I was moving all of these things. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is the most Mexican I've ever been in my life. <laughs> oh, my inner yard worker came out. And it's like, oh, shit. This is this. This has been a powerful moment for my people. <laughs> so that's been good uh, I'm working on a new diet book um, yeah. so I've lost a, a, a good deal of pounds uh, lately at, at my highest I was like 216 pounds 218 pounds something like that I'm down to 193 yeah. Which is um, the lightest I've been in some time. So I'm already working on a diet book. I'm calling it the depression diet. And yeah. this is how you lose pounds. You just convince yourself that you're a horrible person that doesn't need to eat. Yes. Oh, I've done that. Hey, if you already have low self-esteem, why don't you use that low self-esteem to burn those pounds? <laughs> And it's like, hey, welcome to my diet video. Okay, step one. Let me tell you about all the diseases children are dying of. Are you depressed yet? Yeah. So that's going to be my diet. Like, I depress you 
and that helps you lose weight. It, it's going to be revolutionary. I'm going to have my own talk show. Yeah. So, yeah, my week has been great. Super fun. I, I love not having the internet. Yeah. I recently, Jeannie and I both recently watched what is now like probably one of the scariest, scariest movies I know. Even though I had seen it before, it has gotten actually a lot scarier over time. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, featuring a cameo by Donald J. Trump. There you go. Is that I it? was thinking Soil and Green. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, I've been thinking dude. I've been thinking a lot about Soylent Green lately because there's a scene in the second Boss Baby movie where where they're trying to infiltrate this like high-end private school and when kids are bad they're put in timeout pods and I'm like uh, kids I don't know how to fully explain this to you but the timeout pods are eerily similar to how people kill themselves in Soylent Green. Yeah. And they're in this white, like, eggshell-type room, and these beautiful scenes are playing as this gentle music just lulls them to sleep. And it's yeah. like, shit, like, is this kid's movie featuring the suicide chamber from the end of Soylent Green? Because that's a <laughs> fucked-up reference for a kids movie <laughs> so you watch Soylent Green oh yes yeah. and it's and it's it's, it, it, it's gotten scarier over time cause like we are so much closer we are to so it. close so like, fucking close like I, I, I can completely envision what you see in Soylent Green happening in 10 years from now. 10 years. Yeah. Um, the world well, is destroyed. Food is scarce. Women are property. Women are furniture. You know? Yep. I want to do a sequel to Soylent Green. Uh, too Soylent, Too Green. That's the name. <laughs> And then Charlton Heston's character delves deeper into Soylent Green, and he learns that, like, each day is a different color. Like, oh, Tuesday is Soylent Blue. Wednesday is fucking Soylent Chartreuse. I don't know. Yes. But he learns that, like, oh, Soylent Green is people. Okay, but did you know Soylent Yellow uh, raccoons? Yeah. Soylent blue days? Oh. Well, what they never what they never really ever mention, you know, is that it's Nabisco. It's made by Nabisco. You know. I would imagine I would imagine if Soylent Green was going to be anyone, they would be Nestle. Nestle, you think? Oh yeah. Yeah. Because they're the ones who are stealing our water and then bottling it and then selling it to us. So I imagine that they would also be the company 
that gets humans and turns them into food for humans. That sounds like Nestle's M.O. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is true. But yeah, the, this is what I'm getting at. This is going to be the sequel. So it's like, oh, Soylent Green is people. Okay, but there's different Soylents. What's everything else? So Charlton Heston goes on a quest to find out what the other colors are. Yeah. And then I'd like to see him combine all the different colors to maybe form some sort of giant Japanese robot. Yeah. You know, get some get some Voltron in this. Um It would help brighten the apocalypse is all I'm really saying. You know, some giant robot giant robots if we're going to die as a species, which it seems like it's just fucking inevitable, let's have some fun with it. Yeah, let's just have some fun with it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. When was that movie set? That's one of those movies that was set for recently. Um... The year is 2015. Huh? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I think we're getting into children of men territory now. Hmm. Which is I just a like movie. those. I don't know why I never went back to it. I've only seen it the once. Children of men? Yeah. Oh, I love food. Food is good. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we all lived happily ever after. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that's about it in that case. Um... Uh, what's happening? Um, it's about, it's a short one about... Did you like that? I did. I liked that. It's a short one about baseball. Because as you know, I know so much about baseball. Oh, I am such a sports guy. So we're going to be talking about who I fully believe to be one of the greatest baseball players of all time. Okay. Cool. Very cool. Well, in that case, let's mosey on over to Shaptown. <laughs> Shaptown. So for this week, this is Bunny Williams saying self-adhesive tape? Yes, please. The best tagline in the bit. Yeah. Bunny! Yes! If you're like me, then you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who is it nowadays in this day and age at this juncture? But only real fans, true hardcore fans that have been with us since the beginning would know two facts about us, about you and I. 
two undeniably really real and in no way made up on the spot facts about America's hottest podcasting couple, Bunny and Steve. First and foremost, Bunny, is the fact that, and I don't know how many people know this, but you are in fact a celebrated Lego master builder. So tell us, Bunny, what massive Lego sculpture are you working on now? Uh, well, massive, massive. Uh, yep. I am trying to represent uh, the the angst and suffering of the people in a giant Lego model of a giant Lego construction man. Okay. Very deep. The everyday working Lego that I am trying to represent here. I mean, I don't think people appreciate Lego as an artistic medium. Yeah. You know? I like where you're going with this. And I can't wait to see the finished project. It's amazing. And the well, second I am, thing... I am sorry to say to the Andy Warhol cult of art, we the people will express ourselves however we need to, even if that means in Legos. Yeah. Um, Andy Warhol can suck it. Yeah. And the second thing that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. And so what we do at this part of the show is I get a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it via my own unique storytelling style. And that's what this is, another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations! Dun, 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 dun. Or Shap, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name Shap. It's short and it's cute. It could be the name of an adorable mouse-type Pokemon, I think. Anywho, this week on the old Shappity Shap Shap, we will be discussing the second greatest baseball player of all time. The second greatest baseball player who ever lived, according to me, someone who knows nothing about baseball. Now, it's obvious who the number one greatest baseball player of all time is. That is, of course, Doc Ellis, the pitcher that won five Eastern Division titles in six years and won the World Series in 1971 and who also pitched a no-hitter on June 12, 1970 while baked to the gills on LSD. Yes. Sure, there are a lot of uh, baseball uh, pitchers out there, and maybe they might even be better than Doc Ellis, but have they ever pitched while baked to the gills high as fuck on acid? I don't think so. 
he was also an advocator for black baseball players, and he was just amazing. So kudos to Doc Ellis, the world's best baseball player of all time. What? Babe Ruth? Well, did he ever play well on drugs? I don't know if he did. He might, if anyone would have. He might. Yeah. He might. But anyway, let's put a pin on Babe Ruth because Doc Ellis is the number one greatest baseball player of all time, according to me. But this chap is not about Doc Ellis. This chap is about the man who, in my opinion, is right behind Doc Ellis uh, in my wildly unqualified list of the greatest baseball players of all time. Um, the number two is a man by the name of Ray Caldwell. Raymond Benjamin Caldwell, an old-timey baseball player who, mag who, who managed to pull off a feat that to this day is still downright astonishing. So let's talk about this. Ray Caldwell was born in 1888 in Corydon, Pennsylvania, which is a town that barely exists anymore. There used to be like thousands of people living there, but now it's a town of roughly 200 to 300 people yeah. just south of the border between New York and Pennsylvania. That's uh, Corridon, Pennsylvania. He got his start in baseball in 1910 when he joined the Ohio-Pennsylvania League, which was one of many minor league baseball organizations that popped up like weeds or vape shops in the early 1900s. And Ray Caldwell proved to be, to be a very good pitcher because later that year he was hired by the New York Highlanders, who would eventually change their name to the New York Yankees. But I like the New York Highlanders better than Yankees. The New yeah. York Yankees? That sounds like something from the Civil War. But if they were still called the New York Highlanders... They could, they could, like, there could be only one. Yes. Like, I dig that. Yes. That's a great, that I can, you know, wear a jersey of. Anywho, uh, yeah, Ray Caldwell is hired uh, to the New York Highlanders, the New York eventual Yankees. So Raymond Caldwell is definitely in the big leads now. Uh, Raymond Caldwell, Ray Caldwell, good pitcher, very good pitcher, a great baseball player, but there was one problem. Ray Caldwell partied hard. Yeah. He partied hard. And he would party so hard that it would regularly happen where he would just disappear. Yeah. So he would get movie comedy drunk, waking up wearing a lampshade. He'd like, where am I? Tijuana? I have a game in Topeka at 2 o'clock. <laughs> That's how hard Ray Caldwell would party. And so Ray Caldwell was missing work because he was literally disappearing, ending up drunk at some random place. And he missed so much work that the New York eventual Yankees traded him to the Red Sox. And the hope was, okay, he's in the Red Sox now. The last place he was in, that, that was a toxic environment. This is a better team, uh, more suited for Ray Caldwell. And, uh, yeah, now that he's in this team, a new team, 
he should calm down. He should settle down. And I'm sure that Ray Caldwell will stop, stop partying now and get on the straight and narrow. Oh, hello, Ray Caldwell. Happy to have you on the team. Here is your roommate, Babe Ruth. Um, okay. Now notorious drinker and partier Ray Caldwell is traveling with the Babe Ruth. To put that into perspective for you, um, listen, Lindsay Lohan, you really got to stay sober now, okay? You got to stop partying. In fact, we got you an AA sponsor. Here he is right now. Uh, Charlie Sheen. <laughs> so teaming up Ray, Ray Caldwell with Babe Ruth, not the best idea in the world? So the eventual Yankees trade Ray Caldwell to Boston, and then Boston has had enough, so they boot him, and now he's been kicked out of two Major League Baseball teams in just nine months. Ray Caldwell was so toxic that no sane team would ever touch him. So in walks the Cleveland Indians. I hate that name so much. Yeah. I have always hated that name. As a child, I hated that name. And I'm so happy that now, slowly but surely, America is catching up to my hatred of the name Cleveland Indians. And then the Cleveland Indians did that horrible thing where it's like, okay, we are going to be stopping using the name the Cleveland Indians. And we're going to be stopping it, not now in 2020, we're going to be stopping it at late 2022, so there's still time right now for you to go to your local store and buy exclusive Cleveland Indian merch only for a limited time. And it's like, okay, well, fuck you, Cleveland Indians. I'm just going to call them something else. The Cleveland Racists Yes, is what they will now be called for the duration of this chat. Um, the Cleveland Racists are dead set on winning the American League pendant, and they were so desperate for a good pitcher, but how do you rein in a madman like Ray Caldwell? Uh, this was their plan, and Jesus Christ, I don't think this is a good plan, but this was their plan. Uh, Ray Caldwell wakes up day of the, day of the big game totally sober. He goes into the game totally sober. Once the game is over, uh, Ray Caldwell can get as shit-faced drunk as he wants. And we will allow him to miss practice the next day as long as the day after that he does return to practice, at which time the team will just make him do a crap ton of laps, which will make him sweat the alcohol out of his system. I, I feel like this is just a few inches away from we need to clean up Ray Caldwell. I have an idea. Leeches. Yeah. You know? Like this it I don't I don't see this to be the greatest idea, but it was like nineteen nineteen we're talking about when everything was black and white, so Yeah. Uh but anyway Ray Caldwell starts with the Cleveland Racists, and he's doing great. He starts out 5-1. and one. He won five games, including his most memorable game 
on September 10th, 1919. Let me tell you about it. Okay. Thematically, this is a big game because the Cleveland Racists are playing Ray Caldwell's old team, the New York Eventual Yankees. And Ray Caldwell just says, okay, we're, 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 uh, we're going up against my old team. I have to win it. I have to win this game. I know that everyone thinks that I'm a drunk and I'm, I'm a partier and all of that sort of stuff, but I absolutely 100% have to win this game no matter what. I am dead set on winning this. I'm going to get some payback. And Ray Caldwell goes out there on September 10th, 1919. It's slightly overcast, and there's going to be some storms, but they're going to come in later. That should be enough time for uh, the Cleveland Racists and the New York Eventuals to have a really good match. And so they go out there, and Ray Caldwell is just doing absolutely great. He's doing wonderful he pitches eight innings. He gives up only one run on four hits uh, for the whole game. He's doing great, and it looks like the team is going to win. Then the storms came because the weather was fine, but a storm was forecast for later that evening, and both teams hoped to, to, to be able to finish the game before the storm hits. It's almost the end of the game. It's getting to be the ninth inning. Cleveland looks like it's going to be the winner. And uh, the shortstop for the New York eventual Yankees, Joe Duggan, is up to bat. And if Ray Caldwell strikes out Joe Duggan, then Cleveland wins it all. Then Ray Caldwell was struck by fucking lightning. Yes. In the middle of the game. It either hit Ray Caldwell directly because of the steel little uh, thing on top of the baseball hat, or okay, it struck... Okay, okay, wait a second, though. Wait a second, though. See, if they could guarantee that that happens once a game, I'd watch baseball. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, so Just the lightning all of a either sudden, a what? random player... From gets either team, yeah. just gets hit by a bolt of lightning. <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it? Ray yeah. Caldwell was struck by lightning in the middle of a freaking baseball game. It either hit Ray Caldwell directly on the head or chest area, or it hit the ground right next to Ray Caldwell. But either way, Lightning struck a blinding flash, and Ray Caldwell was knocked out cold. Ray Caldwell was hit by lightning right in the middle of a baseball game. There was so much lightning and electricity going through his body that the first player to reach his body and touch him was electrocuted himself. Just from touching Ray Caldwell's body, his body is spread out on the pitcher's mound and his teammates crowd around him, too scared to touch his body and to see if he's alive. They're all worried that he's dead. Ray Caldwell lays there unconscious for five minutes until finally, thankfully, he comes to. 
His teammates are all, oh, shit, Ray, you just got struck by lightning. We got to we gotta uh, get you to the hospital. You, you you need to be looked. You need to be looked at. Uh, we thought you had died. But Ray Caldwell says, I'm not going to the hospital. I need to strike out Joe Dugan. So Ray Caldwell finishes the game after being struck by lightning. Cleveland wins because of Ray Caldwell, the man who was struck by lightning and kept playing. Two weeks later, his team would face the eventual Yankees again. And in that game, Ray Caldwell pitched a no-hitter. And Ray Caldwell did not suffer any lasting negative effects from the lightning strike apart from a severe burn mark on his chest, which would stay there, and I think that that just makes him a badass. You know, having like, maybe it's like a lightning pattern, probably not, but that would also be badass. But anyway, that's the story of Ray Caldwell, the second best baseball player ever, because yeah, there's better pitchers out there, There are better baseball players out there, but were any of them struck by lightning in the middle of a game? No, Ray Caldwell is one of the best. (laughs) And that is my chap for this week. Next week, I have no friggin' idea what I'm doing, but it's gonna be good. So join us next week for more up-to-date movie reviews. Uh, Movie reviews? No. Uh, I'm getting my outros mixed up. Join us next week for more educationally uneducational fun with Steve's Historic Approximations. And cut on that. Buddy! Yes! Uh, We still have a movie to get to. A, A movie that I'm really excited to talk about. We need to talk about uh, so much more we need to talk about i think you should leave we need to talk about other space we need to talk about uh what we do in the shadows we need to talk about uh video game movies because this week's movie is based on a video game and it's surprising because it doesn't suck yeah uh but before we get to any of that maybe we should take a break should we take a break we should take a break. I concur. We will be right back with more of the Pokemon film after this. Do 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 etc. And break.
Hello again, it's Spidey, it's Spidey. I'm back. Yeah, yeah. Goodbye, it's Spidey. Bye, bye, bye. My name's Spidey. I'm a spider. Yes, and, um, uh, wait, wait a minute now. Where, where are you going? Don't be afraid. Yeah, look at my eyes. See? They're pretty, right? The blue. Yeah. Blue eyes. Look at them. Yeah, uh-huh, I used to have more than that because spiders got lots more eyes. And, um, I, I poked them out. I, I poked them out. Yeah, I popped them out so that I could be more humanized. Yeah, so, so you could relate to me better. So, yeah, so you wouldn't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I am a spider. Yes, I'm a nice spider. Just kidding. <laughs> Not that nice. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Not that nice. Oh, hey. Oh, it's spider bite, spider bite. Yeah, you're probably going to lose your reaction. I'm going to the emergency room. Oh, oh no. Woohoo! Oh, happiness, yeah. Woo. Oh. You know what I like to do? Oh. Oh. I like to hide. Hide where you can't see me. And then, when you don't expect it, that bites you. Oh, 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 oh man, it's going to suck. Totally. Oh, 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 oh. Look in my eyes. Don't be afraid. Spiders don't bite. Just kidding. Oh, oh, I spot the eye bite. Yeah. Not that nice. Oh, hey. Oh. Spider bite. Spider bite. Spider bite. I'm fighting, spider. Don't be afraid. No, me too. Don't be afraid. I'm not gonna bite. I'm spider so bite. Just kidding! Oh, I'm totally biting! I'm biting! I'm biting you! Yeah, today! You know how some people have like, like celebrities, like if you, if I ever met this, that guy, what I'm trying to say is if I ever met this guy, yeah, he would be like my one. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Batman! Ah! You'd have to say that the whole time though. <laughs> yeah, the whole time. Rebels! Rebels! You can't tell me what to do. You're not my dad. And Gogo is back in the race.
recording star had the number one record in England for more weeks than any singer in history, even Elvis and the Beatles. And now, for the first time on American TV, we proudly offer the fabulous hits of Slim Whitman, the man voted number one international male artist in England four years in a row. Here is all the magic of Slim Whitman, the international star who has sold 31 million records. songs that touch people's hearts the most are in this album, and I hope you'll let them touch your heart, too. Have I told you lately that I love you? Blue eyes crying in the rain. Come and sit by my side if you love me. Do not Whitman, all my best. This giant record treasury is only $7.98. Complete tape collection is only $9.98. Not sold in any store. Order yours now. To get this beautiful treasury mail, $7.98 for album, $9.98 for 8-track tape to Slim Whitman. Box 2525, Grand Central Station, New York, 10017. Be sure to do it now. This special Slim Whitman collection is available through this offer only. Rush, $7.98 for album, $9.98 for tape to Slim Whitman. Box 2525, Grand Central Station, New York, 10017. Slim Whitman, Box 2525, Grand Central Station, New York, New York, 10017. Anybody want a peanut? Come back next week, and I'll go give you all the peanuts you want. Should affect our snowshoes. What? People do that? You know, fun fact, not only is it the oldest, but remains one of the most effective means of traversing the ice. Wow. Yeah, you're going to fit right in at Beaverfield. Everything here is a little questionable. Ranger! The people. The weather. Everything. Oh. Ranger? You look like you just seen a corpse. Well, the roads are amped, and something's wrong with the generator. Which generator? All of them. Can't get on the internet! Uh, also, there's a dead body under your porch. Holy ah! Probably a wolf. What, are you like a wolf detective now, Marcus? Who knows? Who? Who went? Gotta kill next. I think we can all agree that it's unsafe outside and there's safety in numbers. Out of curiosity, who is packing? Well, we're having a good old fashioned sleepover. With guns, though. With guns, yes. Everything about this predator is unorthodox. It's not human, it's not a canine. It's one of them. One of what? I like it. A what? Like a, a werewolf. How could it gotten in here? Oh. Ah! How did they get out? 
Who says it got out? <laughs> Maybe I'm a werewolf. Maybe you're a werewolf. Maybe you're a werewolf. You're a werewolf. You're a werewolf. You're a werewolf. Maybe we're all werewolves. Are we really in a Mexican standoff right now? Maybe. Don't say Mexican. Just stand up. You know, we're probably just gonna head out. Wait, just, just pull it. Here, oh, I'm not. Please, I didn't know. Oh, it's just a you go ahead, please. Don't spare oh, me. Oh, please, please. Don't. Oh, please. Please don't bother the lock. Oh my goodness. Myself. I could have gotten it. And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Act three, Bunny! Act three! Act three! Yes, Bunny, my friend, it is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Film podcast to moonwalk our way into the third and final act of the show, and it is said third act wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our low-fat, low-sugar, but high-in-glass shards movie of the week! And this week we head to the woods with one of my favorite movies of the year, the 2021 horror supernatural comedy crime whodunit Werewolf movie. Werewolves Within! Yes. I love this movie. It's weird that there's a werewolf movie out there that's also sweet and funny that and adorable. Yeah. Never thought I'd see an adorable werewolf movie, but here we are. Uh, I love the movie and the cast and the script. And and I I just I find this film adorable, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mal and I saw it together, and yeah, I I was really tired and wanted to go to bed, but I had to be there because Mal had a lot of questions about like, wait, which one's the oil guy? So, wait, which white guy got shot? So I had to be there to help them with that. Yeah, I I don't know anybody's names. <laughs> you know, I've watched it twice. I enjoy it. Uh, I'm not in love with it. I think yeah. it could have been a little better. You know? I think it's pretty damn good for being a movie based on a video game, because those are all shit. Really? Yeah. Oh. That's why there's an Ubisoft logo in the beginning that that throws you for a loop and goes, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this is a movie based on a VR video game. So okay. you gotta you gotta put it in the in the in the right mindset of like your your feelings on this now have to be based on 
uh, Alone in the Dark, Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li, uh, the Super Mario Brothers live action movie with Bob Hoskins. Yeah. Uh, all of those type of movies. So this one is a video game movie, and for a video game movie, as far as movies as video movies based on video games are concerned, this might as well be Shakespeare. Yeah. You know, if you're gonna base this to uh, near death Raul Julia as your big bad guy. <laughs> I am Jean-Claude Van Damme. I play an American soldier. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, it is me, your American soldier friend. So, I, I really like this movie. Funny, why don't you hit us with the plot? The plot. Get us the plot. I am not sure I completely caught all of the plots. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a werewolf in a small town. There are the killings. Way, things. The like way that. that I ex the way that I explained it to Mal was uh, there's a bunch of killings that are happening. It's probably a, it's probably that someone is a werewolf, or a bunch of people are werewolves, or there is no werewolf. And people are just being killed. Yeah. And, and that's how I put it. And so, like, through a good portion of the movie, Mal was under the, like, there's not a werewolf, is there? Is there a werewolf? I don't think there's a werewolf. So, so that was a, that was a f interesting way to frame it, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it was. There... There were indications of a possible werewolf, but things that, that that could be explained otherwise as well. Yeah. You know. Uh, the characters, a lot of them still... Like, like, for the first part of the movie, I appreciated that they were taking the time to develop the characters in the movie... And I really wish they would have continued that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I really didn't get to feel much <clears throat> for any of them except the hero couple. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They I liked the gay horrible. couple, and I liked the gay couple, and I liked the, uh, the, the, woman with the dog Chachi. My Chachi! Yeah, did you really, did you really my... like, feel for them? Chachi! Oh, hell no. The only one I felt for is the gay Mexican. Honey, don't call it a Mexican standoff. Just call it a standoff. <laughs> he was the one that I really felt for. Him and Sam Richardson! Yeah. Yeah. But I like this movie. I think it's sweet. Polygon called it, quote, a cross between the lo the Lost Boys and the live-action Scooby-Doo film, which is an analogy I don't particularly like. But I, I do say that, that this film has big clue energy. Yeah. 
Yeah. This film this film has mad clue vibes. Yeah. I wish I had seen this movie in theaters. It had a very limited run in theaters. And this would have been a fun film to have seen in a theater, but I didn't get to see it in a theater. Well, in a theater with people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this and movie stars... is the downside. <laughs> yeah. So it's a small town, and tensions are running high because of uh, this guy wanting to build a pipeline and pay everybody for it. So half of the people want the pipeline, and the other half doesn't want the pipeline. And then murders start happening, and it might be a werewolf, or it might not be a werewolf. Pretty sure the... the, the like, there's a lot of death that happens in this film, but also... I don't think a lot of it's... I think the majority of it is in no way werewolf-related. Pretty sure the environmentalist was killed by the pipeline guy. Pretty sure. Yeah. That the, the, the pipeline guy killed the environmentalist. And also, yes, the husband of the Chachi woman... Sure, the husband got his hand bitten off, but also he was shot in the shoulder. Yeah. So there's a good chance that the werewolf didn't kill that person. But uh, I really love this. I I love this movie. I just think it's cute. And it's nice to see a werewolf film that is pretty light on the gore. You know? Yeah. Usually werewolf films are like body horror films. The transformation, things like that. Yeah, gross transformations and very gory, all of the deaths and the biting and the eating and the chewing of the tuchus and the... But this, this (laughs) this is a horror movie that's kind of cute and sweet and adorable and I like that because you don't see that a lot in freaking werewolf films Uh, okay so also the cast is great the movie stars Sam Richardson as the new ranger he, yeah. he was one half of the short-lived Comedy Central show Detroiters, and he also stars in some of the most memorable skits from the greatest TV show of all time, the Netflix series I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson, which <laughs> everyone likes and no one hates. <laughs> he was the host of Baby of the Year from the first episode of Act One. Really wonderful. Uh, I, I I have I, I have a purse, and I carry it everywhere. It took a lot of courage to finally be able to just carry a purse with me everywhere. But I've got all these awesome buttons on it, and right here is one I made for the bad boy of the Baby of the Year pageant, Bart Harley Jarvis. So, <laughs> really proud of that. Who will be the baby of the year? And then when they announced a second season of I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson, I was kind of hoping that Tim Robinson would do a an SNL-type thing and have reoccurring characters. So the foreign guy from who was doing the car testing in season one could come back, 
and maybe more baby of the year stuff, but it was all new. But there, there are tiny shadows of season one and season two. Like the guy who hosted baby of the year coming back to in season two to do the little buff boys competition. <laughs> season two, he was also in the Christmas movie, the day Scrooge saved Christmas uh, in season one. Uh, this is the, uh, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson is the greatest show of all time. Uh, Bunny does not like the show and I want to get mad about it but I won't but I would because I don't know if you know this about me I used to be a real big piece of shit you know uh, uh, white swim trunks slicked back hair sloppy steaks you would not have liked me back then but he's the star of Werewolves Within the movie also stars Milana Weintraub. Uh, most people know her as Lily from all of the AT&T commercials she's done since 2013. I had no idea she was the voice of, she was the face of AT&T for that long. But I know her as Tina, the love interest from the underrated TV show Other Space, that also starred Dopinder from Deadpool and Joel from freaking Mystery Science Theater. Yes. I loved that show. And I loved her character, who is uh, who has been hired to be in this uh, space mission, and she's obviously in no way qualified, and she only got the position because the captain has a crush on her. Yeah. And I love her in that show. I fell in love with her in that show. Apparently, uh, the actress is was born in Russia, but you never know it. I've never heard of any accent at all no. from her in any of the things that I have seen her in. But I, I have a huge crush on her. I love Malana. I'm a, I'm a, I, I was so happy to see her in this film. I called the end to... Yeah. Because if there's one thing that I that is a rule of thumb that I always uh, believe in, it's that if there's a whodunit, the best actor did it. And I always hold on to that fact that the the best actor always did it. And so when I saw this cast, I'm like, I don't know if any of them did it, but I have a theory. So so there's that. Um. Uh, I, I think I have a I think I have a better analogy for this movie. Okay. It is the Twilight Zone episode where the lights go out on the small neighborhood block. It's called something something Main Street. And they all start freaking out about it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that episode. I love that episode. This has the also... same vibe. Yeah. So so something's happening. And from there, they are deciding what it is, really not based on anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of the Twilight Zone pinball table. I'm a huge, huge fan of the Twilight Zone pinball table. And there's different references to different episodes of the Twilight Zone in the Twilight Zone pinball game. So when you hit the bumpers, it's the car lights going off 
in yeah. that episode when all the lights are out. Uh, yeah, I'm a big I'm a big fan of that pinball table. Yeah. Other uh, people in the cast of this week's movie include Michaela Watkins as Trisha. That's the woman who wants to open the craft store and opens a dog and owns a dog named Chachi. She was 37 years old when SNL hired her, and she was the oldest woman ever hired to be on SNL until they hired writer Leslie Jones to be a writer, and she was so funny that they hired her to be a member of the cast at age 47. So she was so, uh, Leslie Jones was in her 50s when she left SNL. Like, good for you, you know? Yeah. I hire so many younger, hip young people to be on SNL. Good for Leslie Jones to be a big, integral part of Saturday Night Live when she's 50 years old. I really liked Michaela Watkins in SNL. She was only on there for two seasons, but I was a really big fan of her. She had a reoccurring character of a uh, you a young YouTube movie reviewer who had the catchphrase, bitch, please. And Natasha and I quote that one SNL skit over and over again. But she only lasted two seasons, and so I get really excited when I see her in things, and she's in things here and there, and every time I see her, I'm like, oh, bitch, please. Bitch, please is in this. And I get all excited. Okay. So, so, I knew not a single one of these people but they all pretty much looked like somebody else okay I'm surprised you didn't know anyone else Sam Richardson from I Think You Should Leave Lily from AT&T oh, I freaking love her I didn't um, even know also... AT&T had a face <laughs> she was in other space I, I I got really obsessed with other space. I haven't seen for that a while. It, I haven't seen that since it first came out. Where did it wind up floating off to? Because it was on Yahoo for Christ's sakes. Yeah, it was on Yahoo, and then it was picked up by uh, uh, that comedy streaming network called like CISO. Not not CISO, but it was like a comedy. Uh, channel and then that channel folded so I don't know where it is now I think it's on Amazon now yeah but Paul Feig was hoping that like the show would get so popular on Amazon that he would be able to still do the show even though it's been years uh, Paul Feig still feels like like believes in the show and wants to do it somewhere else so like I'm happy for that but uh, yeah Sadly, Other Space is just a, a one-season oddity at yeah. this point, which is a shame because that was a great show. It's just no one saw TV on Yahoo streaming. Uh-huh. You know? You didn't know the gay couple either? One of them was Guillermo from the TV show What We Do in the Shadows, which I'm in love, and the other guy was on 30 Rock for a couple of seasons. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I have not watched 30 Rock. He was also in later seasons of uh, American Horror Story. 
like season five or six onward, he's now one of those people who just pops up in every American horror story. Okay. I think he was in the Vampire Hotel one with Lady Gaga, but I might be mistaken. But anyway, I love this cast. This cast was great. Okay, the director does not have a Wikipedia page, but I know this guy because this is his second film. His name is Josh Rubin. He did a small-time horror comedy movie. He wrote, produced, directed, and starred in it, along with Chris Redd from Saturday Night Live, uh, whom I'm a big fan of. He was also in Pop Star, Never Stop Not Stopping. But Josh Rubin made his own little horror comedy called Scare Me. Yeah. And it, it premiered on Shudder last year, and I've seen it, and it's really funny. It's a really simple story. There's three writers there in a cabin. The lights go out. They decide to entertain themselves with scary stories. But all the scary stories are kind of stupid, and things start happening in the cabin. And it's like a parody of those stuck-in-a-cabin-telling-horror-story movies. Yeah. It's one of those movies and a parody of one of those movies. And it's really quite interesting and funny. And it mocks the genre. And apparently that movie was so successful that he was chosen to do this movie, Werewolves Within, which is based on a freaking video game. Yeah. I, it came see, out in I didn't 20s. know that. That might have helped. I didn't know that either. When I first saw it, I didn't know it. And I saw the Ubisoft logo, and I'm like, what the fuck? And so while the opening credits are rolling, I'm on Wikipedia, and I'm like, this is a fucking video game? But when you know that this is a video game movie, and it's like, okay, well, I mean... It's uh, it's better than anything Yui Bowl has ever done. Yes. The bar for video game movies is extremely low. True. So as long as it's better than Mortal Kombat Annihilation, it's an A. Yeah, no, it was it was entertaining, but but like I did not really feel much connection to any of the characters. I don't I don't oh. feel like that they were really like fleshed out enough. But, you know, I guess if you're making a video game movie, they're fleshed yeah. out enough for yeah. a video game movie. Yeah. You know, and, and the, like, anything I could, I could say about what maybe should have happened might be breaking some video game lore, I don't know. Well, the video <laughs> game is completely different than this movie. First off, the video game is a VR game. So yeah. already, it's a weird game. But it, it came out for the, the PC and for the PlayStation 4. It was released in December 2016. And it's a real simple game. And um, the setting is like a medieval fantasy castle setting. And there are some people, and one of them is a werewolf. And so most of the game is you and other VR players sitting around a campfire outside at night trying to argue over which one is the werewolf. And then that round ends, 
and someone dies, and then you come back to the campfire and try and figure it out until either one person is discovered to be the werewolf and everyone else dies. Basically, it was like a virtual reality medieval Among Us. Yes. Way before Among Us was popular. But I'm happy that the movie took the basic premise and ran with it and didn't do any of the others. So, like, this is a movie based on a video game, but also so little of the video game. Like, this this movie basically just takes the general premise of the game and just sort of runs with it. So, yeah, I'm glad they didn't set the movie in medieval freaking times. It would have sucked. They found an interesting way to do a very different video game as a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And they filmed, they started filming it in February of 2020 and thankfully wrapped it right when the fucking pandemic was hitting. So, so that's good. Not really any uh, chance for them to uh, do reshoots for that one. Yeah. So uh, you're stuck with the footage that you have. But I, I like this movie, and I think it's cute, which is weird because it's a horror werewolf film. But I'm not down on the movie, am I? Uh, I'm saying it I feels like it. you are. Huh? It feels like you are a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. I'm just saying I would have liked to have seen more character development. Ooh. I, I, I feel that the characters got a lot of character development when you think of this as a horror film. Yeah, like like I said, I, like the whole beginning I, I was kind of praising the movie because it was spending time on the characters. Yeah. But it was mostly a, a walkthrough and there wasn't a whole hell of a lot there past yeah. that. You know? Yeah. Like, you met the characters in the walkthrough. And the characters yeah. did not... There was no further development, really. And there was also no real bonding between characters. The, the, the big reveal speech at the end about... Uh... Oh yes, I'm a werewolf. I've been killing all of these people, and 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 the character. I'm trying not to do full-on spoilers. Yeah. For this one, because I like the reveal, but but the person says, "Yes, I was just faking it. I don't like you. I don't like you at all." But then during the speech, the character does say, "I've been trying to turn you." Okay. At one point during the speech, which leads me to doubt what they're saying because they're saying, ah, I was just pretending to be friendly with you. I don't like you. I don't like you at all. I've been trying to turn you into a werewolf this entire time. And it's like, well, if you don't fucking like him and are talking about how much you've been faking it and you hate him, why have you been trying to turn him into a freaking werewolf? Yeah. But, but yeah, I like the movie. I like it a lot. I've watched it maybe like four or five times. It's just one of those movies where it's like, 
I'm sitting on the couch. I finally have some time on the TV. I'm going to put on a movie. Maybe I'll watch a horror movie. Ah, but the kids are still awake. So I need something. Ah, Werewolves Within is something that I can put on. And it's scary, but there's nothing too scary about it. There's nothing too horrific about it. Yeah. You don't see a lot. And that's what I like about it as a parent. That I can watch this, and if a kid comes in, it's like, okay, it, we should be good. Yeah. Yeah. But that's all I have for this movie. I loved it, and I think it's the freaking best. And Bunny said that he 100% hates it, and <laughs> how dare you, you son of a bitch. It's I think you should leave all over again. But, uh, Bunny... No, it had, it had funny bits. It had interesting characters. I just would have liked to have seen more out of them. Uh, you know, it had an interesting story, yes. It was fun. And when you grade it in terms of other video game movies, this is uh, a million Shakespeare plays. Uh, that could very well be true. What what else would be... I mean, if we're judging it up anything against you, you we bowl, okay, you totally win there. Oh, yeah. I'm not yeah, sure what other uh, shit ton. video game movies... Street Fighter, and then Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li, Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, Mortal Kombat again, the Super Mario Brothers live-action movie. I don't know if I've seen any of those. You've never seen Mortal Kombat Annihilations? One of the worst movies of all time? Yeah. Is that that the one with Christopher Lambert? No, he was in the first one. He He refused to come back for the second one. The second one is horrible. The first one is is dumb fun in a malignant sort of way. But the second one is just... It's one of the worst movies of all time. It is the worst. Yeah. It's so bad. So as far as uh, uh, video game movies go, this is like the the tippy top. I think. So I'm totally willing to grant that, sure. Yeah. So that's it for me and this film. I don't know what we're doing next week, because next week and throughout all of October, Bunny is in charge of picking the movies because it's his birthday coming up, and he's in charge. And so I do not know what we're going to be doing next week. Bunny, why don't you enlighten us and tell us what film we will be doing Next week. Next week. We are going someplace we have never gone before. We are going to what I would I would assume is both of our least favorite genres. Since have Always we seen? not really done any movies in this genre? We barely even talk about this genre. It doesn't come up in conversation, even in a casual way. We're going west. The fuck? So, oh, a month of westerns for... Westerns? 
hand-picked westerns. In the are we going to be watching? Are we going to be watching any old episodes of Bounty Law? That's my favorite. favorite. Who starred in that? Oh yeah, Rick Dalton. You remember him? We could probably sneak it in. He was in all those Italian movies. I I think this is going to be a fair representation of westerns in our own particular bon vivant. Okay. I'm going to try and keep a positive attitude about this. Okay. Well, then you might want to brace yourself a bit. What are are we doing next week? We are going to be doing El Topo. El Topo. Fun Alejandro Jodorowsky's Western Masterpiece. Fun fact about El Topo. It's Spanish for The Topo. (laughs) The Topo. (laughs) (laughs) That's about all I know. Hooray. So if you get yourself in in the right frame of mind, (laughs) you've had Jodorowsky experience before. Yes. You got a good idea what's coming. Okay? Okay. So you know what to prepare for. But this is a good fucking movie. Is there going to be a scene where Jesus wakes up in a warehouse full of Jesuses made out of potatoes? No, exactly. Okay. (laughs) Alright, so next week we're watching El Topo, which is Spanish for the Topo. And it is uh, already on the drive. Sweet. All right. So that's next week. Next week, we're going to be watching El Topo classing this bitch up. Yes. This is what we're going to be doing next week. We're also, uh, of course, uh, Steve Stubbs, uh, Steve's Historic Approximations, Bunny Versus. Uh, he might be talking some more about professional wrestling because uh, everything is happening right now. But that's next week. Now that I look back at this week, oh, Lily from AT&T, the Cleveland Racists, the twist of Malignant, and let's not forget the importance of medicine cabinets. I I gotta say, I think this has been a pretty, uh, a, a, a fairly, a somewhat, a pretty good episode of the podcast. I think this has been a damn good episode. Okay, good. I felt the same way, but I I feel like you're the one who makes that distinction and not me. And, you know, I don't want to step on any toes, you know? But, yeah. yes, I, I concur with your assessment, good sir. Yes. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steve, and on behalf of Natasha and Amber and Eleanor and Maxwell and Mal and everybody else, I just want to say thanks for listening, and we will see you next week, you godless heathens! I almost ate moldy bread! Um...
And you douchewalls and loopies. And you werewolves and wizard. Nice. Way to tie it all together, Maxwell. Was, was he an elf? Yeah. Yeah, he he was an elf ranger apprentice. Oh. Uh, do 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 do